I'm Justin, I work on staff here with Junior High. If it's your first time here, I'm extremely happy you came. Uh, if you brought money for, this, for the Haiti thing, money you raised, that is so incredible. Let's give, let's give a hand for that. Because a bunch of people did, and that makes me really happy. I'm just a big fan of it. So last week, we kicked off this series, and this is what we talked about. We talked about the idea that sex is serious. We discussed, and I think we came to the place where we agreed, hopefully we agreed, that everyone's talking about sex. Everyone has an opinion about sex. Media has an opinion about it. Your friends at school, they have an opinion about it. Chances are the movies you watched share some kind of opinion about it. Uh, when you go on the internet, it's, it's easy to fall into a path and see the internet's opinion of sex. And But... God also has a very clear opinion about sex, too. He doesn't make this a secret opinion. He doesn't hide it away from you because he doesn't want you to know till you're older. He actually puts it right in the Bible for you to read, and we rarely teach about it, but this series, we're just going to go right after it. So I'm not going to use code words. I'm going to go right after it. We're going to talk about it. I think you guys are going to love it. And if you don't, have your parents send me an email at djones at marinerschurch.org. That's... <laughs> see... Yeah, I know, I know. Some people didn't understand that my name's not Diane Jones for the moment, but it's not Diane Jones, it's Justin Herman. So here's the deal. That's what we talked about last week. Now here's the tension. We start to treat sex sometimes the way that we think it deserves, okay? If we see sex and we say sex is serious, we're going to treat it that way. Well, do you know that this is the thing that's really important to remember? Sometimes when we treat things so seriously, when we look at a situation or an event or a person and we're like, that's a really serious person, there tends to be a tie between seriousness and power. Like, let me give you an example. This is the coolest one that I came up with. Because I was sitting in my office thinking, like, what's a good correlation? I could talk about a celebrity. I could talk about, like, a politician, maybe the president. This is what I thought of. You ever, ever hear of a woman named Rosa Parks? All right, you guys know who Rosa Parks is? All right, all right. Yeah, no, no, she wasn't white, David. She wasn't white. She was a black woman. All right, she was African-American, okay? Now, this is the deal with Rosa Parks. She decided that she should be able to sit wherever she wants on the bus. She looked at this injustice that was taking place, this segregation, and she said, you know what? I don't think it's okay that I sit in the back of the bus. I think I want to sit wherever I, wherever I feel like I should be able to sit. So I'm going to sit in the front of the bus. Now, a lot of people in the moment said, that woman's crazy. That woman's crazy sitting wherever she thinks she can sit. She can't sit there. But it was a really serious moment in the civil rights era. That was a serious turning point for people that we still look at today. Junior hires in 2013 still know of a single decision made by an African-American elderly woman in what, the 60s? Are you kidding me? Because that moment was so serious and so powerful that it lasted the ages. It's a moment we still look back to and say, that was serious. That was, it wasn't serious. That was a powerful moment in the history of not only her life, not only in the lives of African Americans, the lives of this country, the direction it took. That sparked something. That sparked change. That sparked a powerful outcome in the lives of people. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes when we talk about sex, we don't talk about it in a powerful way. But this is the truth. Sex is powerful. Now, this might be shocking to you. You might say to yourself, you're taking notes. This is perfect note-taking stuff, so take notes on this. You might think to yourself, how is sex so powerful? Let me give you an example. And girls, I'm going to pick on you first. Pick on you, maybe some of your friends. But I'm going to be honest with you, and I wanna, want you to accept my honesty because I love you and I care about you, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it, and I'm not going to lie to you, so you can trust me in this. So here's the thing. And boys, I'm at you next, so don't think you're getting off because you're not. Girls, this is the thing. You may see some girls that dress a certain way, that look a certain way, that 
they portray a certain image, and they do it maybe so they can get a certain type of attention from a certain boy. And, and this is why. This is because they've been taught and they get the idea that sex is power and powerful. They see this, they know this, and they use it to their advantage. Some girls uh, grow up hearing that when it comes to their sexuality, that it's something to be flaunted and shown off and used as a tool, not, not for their husband in marriage, as God created sex to be, but as a bargaining chip and a tool to be used whenever, wherever. You know, if, you're, if you want the attention from some guy, don't wait for him to, to get the guts to come talk to you, which dating in junior high is stupid anyway. I've said it a million times. Not, you, you shouldn't wait for him to work up the courage to come and tell him, boys, listen, when you get older, you got to work up courage. Don't, you know, be a sissy. You don't got to wait for him to work up courage. Just wear, just wear something that shows a little skin and, then, and get their attention. And, and see, the, and you may know a girl that's like this or, or maybe you, you've seen people in movies that kind of portray this idea like, all I got to do is look good. I'll just use what God's given me. I'll use my sexuality for this purpose because I know it's powerful and I'm going to use it to get this job done, get this person's attention, get this thing accomplished. Boys, I'm not going to let you off. This is the deal. Boys aren't stupid. Boys are smart. It's the second time I said stupid in this lesson. Anyone offended by the word Stupid. No? Good. You are, Jason? Well, you're fine. So this is the deal, guys. Sometimes guys are not the only ones. Sometimes they do certain things to get girls' attentions. See, they know if they act a certain way in front of a girl, if they talk a certain way, if they, they say the right sweet things to a girl, if they appeal to her emotionally, if they say the right things, use the right words, they can get exactly what they want. They know that, that the certain words, the certain ways, they can get what they want. See, some guy's goal is not to care about girls and to love them and to treat them like beautiful flowers that God created. It's to conquer them and to use them and to use any means at their disposal to get this done. They don't care about the relationship. They care about what they want. And they're willing to do and say whatever they have to. And listen, I'm not saying this is you guys. I'm saying guys in general, we struggle with this. This can be a problem. So we find ourselves in this place where culture gives us the message and maybe friends give you the message or maybe you've heard it from other guys that say when it comes to men that you should use any means at your disposal to get with girls. The more girls you get with, the cooler you are, the more manly you are. You know, if you have notches on your belt, the guys in the locker room are going to think you're more awesome. See, not, it's not worrying about what, uh, what they get. It's worrying about what you get. Now, you'll do whatever you need to get what you want physically, not caring about using them emotionally. And you'll give very little to get very much, and you'll take this gift that God's given us for marriage, and you'll slowly wreck it because of your own selfishness. See, sex is powerful. You know, what happens, what happens in this situation? What happens, let me ask you a question. When you use it as a tool, when you take advantage of the power that it has, what happens? What do you think you end up getting? You know, girls, when sex is powerful and it's used to accomplish something it wasn't meant to accomplish, who do you think gets hurt? You know, what happens, guys, when you use words and actions to get sex and what you want, to get the physical stuff that you want from girls, not caring about the emotions, not caring about how God made it. You know, does anyone ever win in these situations when it comes to sex? You know, who has the real power when it comes to sex? 
So there's this story that God gives us. Because God doesn't say, I want you to sit silently and not have answers. God says, I want to give you all the answers that you want. So I'm going to give you a story that depicts this really well, depicts the girl's side of it and depicts the boy's side of it. And we're going to look at it and we're going to go after it and we're going to teach some good stuff. God says this. So I want you to open up your Bibles with me to Judges chapter 14. If you have your Bibles with you, open them up. If you don't, there's some on the table over there. And it's Judges chapter 14. It says Joshua up there, but it shouldn't. It's Judges. And don't worry about that. It's Judges 16. It's on page 204. Okay? So this is the story. We're going to talk about a guy named Samson and a girl named Delilah. I want to give a little backstory for this. In chapter 14, Samson comes into the picture. Uh, he marries a Philistine woman which he shouldn't have married. This is how it went down. Samson, guys, you'll hear this and you'll be like, this sounds, I've never even heard this before. This sounds wild. Samson is walking around, sees a beautiful woman, turns to his mom and dad and says, mom and dad, go get me that woman. I want to marry her. And that's how marriage was done in the Bible. So there you go. That's how Samson did it. Now, they were trying to tell him, don't marry this girl. You don't even know her. The only reason you want to marry her is because you think she's good looking. Samson didn't care, married her. So at the wedding, they did this whole riddle thing that was really weird. And it, which you should read about this is all in chapter 14, but it, it ended in her using him, using her sexuality to get this answer of this riddle that Samson had come up with from him to tell her family. And Samson felt really betrayed, was really angry, ended up killing all of them, which was really weird. Look, read this. I'm just giving you a brief overview. Just read this all in chapter 14. I'm telling you, this story is incredible. Then into chapter 15. He's kind of estranged from this Philistine wife. So his parents thought, hey, this is what we should do. We should just give this wife away to someone else. So they give this wife away to someone else. I'm not making any of this up, guys. Totally just stick with me and just read this for yourself. This is incredible. So chapter 15, gives the wife away. Then they recommend to Samson that he should marry her younger sister because she is more attractive than the wife. Now, he wanted the wife uh, that he was married to, and he goes out to get her. And sadly, in the midst of his travels, the Philistines come, burn down the house that she's in. They kill her. They kill her father, which is Samson's father-in-law. And now Samson's enraged, grabs a jawbone from a donkey, and like kills 100 people or 1,000 people. It was totally nuts. So he's killing all these people. I'm telling you guys, this is all in your Bible. The guys are looking at me like, this sounds like an insane story. This is a real story. It is in your Bibles. You should read it. So, the wife is dead. The father-in-law is dead. He has now killed a thousand people. And he now leads Israel as one of the judges for about 20 years. Until the time that he meets a new girl. This is what happens in verse chapter 16, starting with verse 1. One day, Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute and went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, at dawn, we will kill him. So here's a couple quick lessons about Samson. Number one, Samson does not take sex seriously at all. She was married to a girl only because of her looks. He saw a prostitute, so he went and spent the night with her. He does not take sex seriously. He is not the example of taking sex seriously. He is not the example of how you should be living your life. He does not take sex seriously. He is a punk. He's very strong, but he's a punk. Number two, he did the absolute bare minimum to follow God. So God said to Samson, this is the deal. And he said this to his mother, and his mother related to Samson. You're going to have a son. 
he is going to be a Nazarite. This is incredible. He has to take this vow, this Nazarite vow. This is what it means. You can't drink alcohol. You can't shave your head. I think there's a couple other things thrown in there, but those are the major two. So he followed those things. He didn't shave his head because that's where he got his strength. He didn't drink alcohol. He did the bare minimum. He, was, he did not take sex seriously. He slept with whoever he wanted, whenever he wanted. There were no rules governing, governing that at all. He did the bare minimum to follow God. This is the very last thing. Um, well, let's just go into verse 4. Verse 4, this is what it says. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Shurik, which is kind of like a small valley. So, keep in mind, pr- prostitute. And now he met a woman, now he's going to marry this woman. So, he does not highly value relationships. He's going from one to another, does not take sex seriously, does not see the power of it. So, this is what it says in verse 5. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See, if you can lure him in to showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him, we may tie him up and subdue him. Each of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So back then, 1,100 shekels of silver was about 110 days' wages, which in American money is about $12,000. So there's a group of men who are saying to this woman, the new bride of Samson, that if you can use whatever gifts you have, and we're going to get into those in a second, to get the secret from Samson, we will each give you $12,000. Now, I just got married. I really, really want to believe that if a group of people came to my wife, and said, hey, Brittany, find the secret to Justin's strength. We don't think it's his hair, but find, find, what the, secret, find the secret for us, okay? It could be anything. Just find out. We'll give you $12,000 each if you figure it out. I want to believe that she wouldn't be about that, okay? Now, this is what we see in the next verse. Because for Samson and Delilah, it was very different. Verse 6. So Delilah said to Samson, so he doesn't waste any time. Verse 5, now we're verse 6. doesn't waste any time. Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Samson answered her, if anyone ties me with 11 fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven bowstrings that have not been dried, and she, had, and she tied him with them. With the men hidden in the room, she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. So I want to unpack this for a second. Really listen to what's happening here. Delilah was given this option to betray her husband for money. It wasn't a relationship built on love. It wasn't a relationship built on all these beautiful things. It was, in the moment, a relationship built on money. She saw the dollar signs, and she wanted a payday. So this is what she did. Instead of saying, no, I could never do that. Sex is too powerful, too serious for this. I, I'm just going to leave him. And it, No, no, she didn't do that. Instead of saying, I can't do this. I'm going to tell Samson you wanted me to do it, and he's going to come, and he's going to you know, kill you. She didn't do that either. She said, okay. I'm going to do this. But I'm not going to do it secretively. I'm not going to waste any time. I'm going to invite him into our bedroom. I'm going to be a wife to him. And I'm going to use that as a tool to get exactly what I want. We're going to have sex. I'm going to try and get him to tell me his secret. And then I'm going to use that. I'm going to go tell him what the secret is. Now, she's using this as a tool, as a, as a chip. She's using this to get money. She's not doing it because she cares about him. Samson, on the other hand, he must have felt super betrayed, didn't he? I mean, the woman he married just betrayed him. 
The woman he married lied right to his face. The woman he married, he, he told her the secret, and yeah, it was a lie. We'll get, we'll get to that. Yeah, it was a lie. But you know, he wanted to tell her something because she thought, you know, he thought, you know, she's just asking me because she wants to know. I'm just gonna tell her something, give her peace of mind of what it is. Uh, you know, she wants to be trusted. I'm gonna trust her. He must have felt so betrayed. Man, I know I feel betrayed. He probably packed all of his stuff up and left that night. He was probably in tears. Big Samson in tears, right? He was probably really hurt. Nope. Samson didn't care at all. Samson was a knucklehead. This is what it says in the next verse. Verse number 10. Then Delilah said to Samson again. So this is another night. You have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now. Tell me how you can be tied. Let me unpack this again. They're in her bedroom. They just did married people things. They just had sex. She's using this as leverage to get information that she wants. Samson killed all the guys that came into the room. She, he killed all of them. So now in the bedroom, there are tons of dead bodies everywhere. Someone came in. Literally, this isn't in the scriptures. This is the reality of the situation. There are dead bodies everywhere. Someone came in and took the dead bodies out. Okay, it wasn't Samson. He, he killed him. He wasn't in charge of cleanup. Someone came in, took all the dead bodies out, cleaned up the room. Now they're going back to bed. It could be the next night. could be the night after that. They're going back into bed. And instead of leaving, instead of not trusting her, Samson was more concerned that he was getting exactly what he wanted. He didn't, he didn't love this woman. He wasn't so deeply, he wasn't buying her flowers so deeply in love with her. I want to care for her needs. I want to respect her body. I, you know, sex is for marriage. I, that is such a gift. I want to celebrate that. No, no, no. He's saying, I just want sex. I'm getting exactly what I want from this woman. I'm getting sex as much as I want of it, and this is awesome. This is what happened. They go into bed the next night. Again, she says, you made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. There's, how can he trust her? He's probably going to say, Delilah, you're nuts. How can I trust you with this information now? Nope. He's a knucklehead. This is what it says in verse 11. He said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. All right. He's lying again. He's lying because he doesn't care about getting, he knows that he can't be tied up. He knows he can't be defeated. He's stronger than every other man. He just continues this thing with her. Not because he loves her and cares about her, because he wants sex from her. Delilah is not continuing and not really, she's not hurt because she's being lied to. She's hurt because she's not getting this money. Delilah is using sex as a tool. Guys, they're just, they're just saying whatever she wants to hear to keep the sex coming. This is the reality of Samson and Delilah. Maybe you didn't hear this in children's ministry. This is the story of Samson and Delilah. So this is what it says in the next verse. So Delilah took, no, no, back. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then, with the men hidden in the other room again. She called them, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off and his arms, uh, off of his arms as if they were threads. All right, let's go to the next verse. So you might think to yourself, she's done this two times. She's lied to me two times. Yeah, I've lied to her two times. And, you know, Delilah should be thinking, he's lied to me two times. Maybe he does really isn't into this marriage. Maybe he really isn't into me. Samson's thinking, 
You know, two times I told her the secret, and two times she keeps calling these guys in to kill me. I think there's a correlation here somewhere. Maybe she wa- does she want me dead? I'm not told. Because then I wake up exactly in the situation that I told her would take my strength away. Is there some kind of correlation here? And he says to himself, no, there's probably not. I'm getting sex out of it. It's totally cool. Delilah's thinking, you know what, I'll give this a, a third try. This is, this is really in your Bibles, guys. This is, this is incredible. Here we go. Verse 13. Delilah said to Samson, all this time you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me, how can you be tied? He replied, if you weave seven braids of my hair into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with a pin, I will become as weak as any other man. So this is what that means. On their bed, they have fabric hanging all around the bed. It's very decorative. They have this fabric hanging all around the bed, and his hair is very long. So Samson has really long hair, decorative cloth all around the bed, and he's saying, if you take my hair, interweave it to the cloth, and then pin that to the bed, kind of the bed frame or the wall area, I will become as weak as any other man. Who in the world would believe that? That just sounds dumb. I mean, seriously. Oh, yeah, just, uh, just tie my hair up with the cloth and pin it to the, and nail it to the wall, and I'll be totally weak. After hearing lies three times, she totally buys it. I have no idea why she buys it, but she 100% buys it. And this is what it says in the next verse. He replied, no, no, back. He replied, uh, verse, uh, tie him to a pin. Again, she called him. He replied, oh, so while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with a pin. This is insane. I wish we had, if we had a leader with really long hair that wasn't a girl, if Jason had just beautiful long hair, we would have done this on stage. Because just looking at it would have just looked foolish. And again, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke up from his sleep, pulled up the pin and the loom with, with the fabric. Because it didn't take his strength away. Even though he just keeps lying to her, saying whatever she wants to hear, because he wants sex. And because she is using her bed, not as a place for marital sex, but a place to bargain and get what she wants, to use sex as a powerful tool to get accomplished whatever she wants to accomplish, which in this case is money. This marriage is falling apart. This is what it says in the next verse. Then, he, then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? Which is a pretty reasonable question. Maybe it's because she, he doesn't really love her. He's just using her for sex. I don't know. I think I'm totally right on that. This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day, like only a wife can do. I waited for the laughs. Until he was sick to death of it. This is what's happening. Sex and marriage is, is really powerful. Sex and marriage is meant to be powerful. Sex and marriage is taking the beauty of the physical part of sex, which God made to be great, and it also takes the emotional part of sex, the part that that says when I look at my wife or, or when a husband looks at his wife and says, you know, I love you, he means it. 
and when he makes time for her and, that it, and says these loving words that it's not just frivolous words to get what he wants, but instead it's truthful, emotional love. And it's the part that's spiritual. The part that says God made this. He made this perfect and beautiful and lovely for us to share together. Sex in marriage is powerful. Sex in the wrong context is not. Let's go to the next one. Sex outside of marriage is just as powerful. It's just as powerful for all the wrong reasons. See, sex outside of marriage is not just dangerous and destructive, but it's also hurtful and selfish. Now think of those words in terms of the story we just walked through. In terms of the story of Samson, who is just saying whatever he has to, whatever lie he has to, it doesn't matter, as long as he's getting what he wants physically, which is sex. And Delilah, who's leveraging her bedroom, leveraging sex with her husband, not because she loves him and was made for marriage, because she's using it as a powerful tool to get exactly what she wants. Do you see the selfishness there? Do you see the destruction there that's taking place, the hurtfulness that's taking place? You know, this is the thing, though. This is part of the game they want to play. They want to play this, this, this sex marriage game, this sex, uh, you know, trade-off game. Now, the sex trade-off game is not a real game. Don't go to Toys R Us looking for it. It's not an online game. Don't Google it. Okay, the sex trade-off game is not a real game. This is what is real. Relationships that take place where you just agree that you're getting what you want so you don't care about the outcome. Guys, you, you agree, listen, I'll say whatever, I'll say whatever I need to say as long as I'm getting sex out of it. I'll say whatever, I'll say whatever lie I need to say. I'll create whatever scenario. I'll write whatever loving, sweet card I need to write to get exactly what I want. You know, girls, you know, I just want to be loved. I just, want, I just want a guy to look at me and tell me he thinks I'm the most beautiful in the world. I'm willing to give up a little bit to get that. That's what I want. I just want that. I want that kind of love and acceptance. You know, I want it from a boy my age. And maybe I haven't gotten it from anyone else before. I, I want it now, and I'm willing to give up a little bit for that. And you, you find yourself in this game where both parties know exactly what they're doing. And they're willing to do it because even though some of you may, in the moment, truly believe you're in love, that you're in a serious relationship by middle school standards, which whatever that means, I have no idea what that means. And while you think you make a lot of, I make a lot of good points, you may not think this relates to you at all. You may think, yeah, hey, Justin, I get what you're saying. You know, sex is, you know, it is powerful. You're, you're, you should get a raise. You're just, you're hitting the nail on the head. Sex is power. Justin, good job. I think you brought the life of the Bible. It, it, I, see, I see it so vividly, a guy having his hair weaved with some fabric and nailed to a wall. I cannot believe the truth, the, the theological structure that you're giving me. My foundation in Jesus is, is set secure. Give him a round of applause. But you don't really believe. No, 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 no. That was a joke. But you don't really believe this applies to you. You don't really believe this applies to you. You look at Samson, you're like, that, that was some knucklehead making bad choices. This doesn't apply to me. You know, if you, if you knew me, you, you'd know that, that it, my situation's different. The love I have with this guy, this person I'm texting with, you know, th this love we have is so real. But see, as a guy, you don't think that you're offering some fake love. You think no one's getting hurt. You think you're just saying sweet things and making her feel great, using the power of your words 
you know, girls, you know, as a whole, you're, you're far more emotional. Now, that's not to say boys aren't emotional, but girls are far more emotional. It makes the target so easy. See, it makes the target so easy for guys that they just, they just know that. They just say enough. everyone has a combination and a breaking point. You just got to find the right combination of sweet things to say. If we can just find that combination for, for a specific girl that we like, we can do it. I mean, most movies are based off them. Most goofy, cheesy dating movies are based on that one idea. You just got to find the right things to do or the right things to say to get that girl's affection. Boys, you are far more visual than girls will ever be. I'm not saying girls aren't visual, but boys are far more visual. That's why boys' jaws drop to the floor when they see someone beautiful. Because boys see and they react like, like little, you know, tiny little puppies, okay? They're just with the big wide eyes, okay? You know exactly what I'm talking about. That's not to say girls aren't like that, but boys are. So boys, it makes it really easy for you to be a target. It makes it really easy for a girl to walk in with all the wrong motives, using sex in a powerful way to get you to fall, just like Samson did. Now this is the thing. We may use this power, but this is really what ends up happening. We end up just using each other. And some of us are okay with that. You know, some, some of us have friends that are like, yeah, I know I'm being used, but it feels really good right now. Yeah, in the moment, this doesn't, this is just a moment in my life. This is just a thing that I'm doing. This is just one relationship in junior high. This isn't serious. This isn't powerful. But man, just like Rosa Parks sitting on a bus, they are long-lasting memories that are extremely powerful. You may think this is just a small thing, and you're being used. And if you've been used before, and this is connecting with you, listen up. And if you have a friend who's been used before, sex has been used in a powerful way to just destroy them and just use them like an object, not like a person, then listen up. And if you've fallen into this before and you're saying to yourself right now, man, I've made some really poor choices. There's been some things that have gotten between me and God in very big ways, then absolutely listen up. Because as powerful as sex is, my God is more powerful. As powerful as sex is, God is more powerful. As powerful as barriers between you and God are, God is more powerful. As powerful and as big as poor decisions in your life may be, as big and blaring you feel they are, as lit up neon sign bold as you think they are, my God is bolder. And his signs are bigger. And his signs read this. There is hope. There is hope for you. There is hope for your friends. That I, don't, I didn't come to just leave you in brokenness and defeat and barriers between me and you. I came in the form of a man named Jesus. And I came to give you hope. Now open. See, we look at these things in our relationships and we look at things all around us like the advertising and movies, media, how they sell cheeseburgers. I always pick on that because it's the easiest target. They're using sex to sell cheeseburgers, girls in bikinis to sell cheeseburgers. That's Looney Tunes. That's insane. Sex is so powerful that anyone will use it. And if you've fallen into it in some way, if it has somehow affected you, if you have found yourself in a place where there has been a barrier and created a barrier between you and God, let me tell you that there is hope. You don't have to stay in that place. You don't have to stay in that place where you feel you're being used. 
You don't have to stay in that place where you feel that your status is, is only using others. And that if you're not doing that, if you're not clocking a, you know, a tally, then you're not cool. Listen, there's no truth to that at all. There's hope for that. Because God says, I want you to know that I made you to be more worth and to be more uh, uh, important than that. There's so much more value to you than that. So, I want to take a couple minutes. We're going to put on some music. I want to take a couple minutes to respond to this. This is how we're going to respond. For every single one of us, there's something different happening. For every single one of us, there's a, a, a moment that's taking place right now. And you're either saying to yourself, this doesn't, this this does apply to me. You're saying to yourself that I don't want to show it right now to everyone else, but I have the benefit of looking and seeing all of you, and I know this applies to some of you. I know that you are connected to someone that this applies to. I know that girls are easy targets sometimes. I know boys are easy. I know we're all easy targets sometimes, and there's someone out there targeting us. I think that maybe some of you have other things going on that's standing between you and God. I think there's some selfishness that's taken place, maybe. I think there's pride thinking you can do it by yourself. I think there's the desire that and the feeling that you're just so messy and broken that God couldn't accept and couldn't love you. Listen to me. There is nothing you could do to make God love you less. There is nothing that you could ever do to make him not want to say to you, welcome into my kingdom, welcome into heaven that I've created and done for you welcome. There's not one of you that he sits and says, my son did not die for you. No, no. His son died for each and every one of you because he loves you. There's nothing you could ever do to make God love you less. So here's the question. What is that thing that's standing between you and God? Is it something you're willing to give up? Is it something you're willing to say, this thing will not be a barrier between me and God? This thing, I'm going to write down and I'm going to leave it at the prayer wall and I'm going to walk away from it. I swear I'm walking away from it. And I'm leaving it there. Is it a conversation you, you need to have between you and God? Is it a conversation you want to have with me or Diane or one of the other leaders here? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you guys a couple options. And I want you guys to live all these. Listen, don't be concerned with who's sitting next to you. Be concerned with you. Just for a minute. I know this is a tough thing because even adults struggle with this. Don't worry about the person next to you. Worry about you for a minute. Is there something between you and God? Is there a barrier that's taking place? I'm going to give you guys two minutes, and I'm going to give you all those options. If you need to sit there and just pray, don't be distracting. Just pray. Just sit there silently. Just pray. If you need to talk to me or Diane, we're going to be in the back, and we'll, there's nothing we, we haven't heard. You're not going to shock us or surprise us, but we are here for you. We are so here for you, no matter what it is. And guys, if you need to go over there, girls need to go over there to the prayer wall and write something down, something that is a barrier between you and God, write it down, put it on the prayer wall, and walk away from it. Don't let there be barriers anymore. Take two minutes. Let me pray, and I'll be back up here in a second to dismiss you. Dear Heavenly Father, give us a couple minutes to just reflect on what we were taught today, a couple minutes to reflect on you. Lord, we're looking for you to move in our life. Spirit, move in our life. Make things that weren't clear, clear to us right now. Lord, give us two minutes. It could be a really defining two minutes in our life. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Take two minutes, guys.
All right, guys, this is what we're going to do. If you need to stick around, talk to someone, visit the prayer wall, anything, stick around. We're available. I hope you guys have a great Sunday. We're going to wrap up the sex series next week, so come back. It's going to be awesome. Enjoy your day. Tell your parents I say hello. I'll see you guys next week. Have a good one.